we should just do it for like. This is Lucky to Lead. That was so good. Okay. Just drop your best one. Welcome to Lucky to Lead. You're talking shit about me? <laughs> Welcome this is to Lucky, Lucky to Lead. lead. Dave, we're we're back. Uh, we've made it to episode seven. Wow, seven already? It's gone by. You still with me? I, I'm here, man. I'm I'm corn. We talked about quarantine fatigue. I'm uh, I'm fatigued, but this uh, this is looking forward to Sunday. Uh, it's been fun. So, uh, and I'm super excited about this one as well. Yeah, man. Uh, quarantine feels like a long drive. I just want to stretch my legs. Um, <laughs> and I feel like my dad keeps turning around going, shut the fuck up. We're almost there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about, about today's guest. Um, why don't you do, why don't you give a quick intro? Yeah. Um, Joe Cummings, uh, we kind of, um, we met, must have been 2013 ish that summer. Um, or fall of 2013, we, when I um, took the volunteer assistant at Furman University and got out of the Navy, went down there. Joe had just moved into the area and had started to do some. He was a financial, I, I forget what you were doing, but you were like a financial guy and trying to do lacrosse on the side and really kind of partnered with us a bit in kind of the youth programs down in Greenville and um, tried to plug him in as best we could. And you know, ever since then, we've been pretty, uh, pretty good friends. I mean, aside from being apart and being the distance, um, you know, it's someone that I certainly look to as a coach and a fellow coach and, you know, to, to bounce ideas off of. So Joe Cummings, uh, uh, All-American at, at University of Maryland, um, one of the be- best players to ever play there as an attackman and uh, went to a rival high school of mine as well. So I knew kind of of Joe, he's a little bit younger than I am, um, but uh, certainly uh, we're excited to have him on. So uh, pumped to have you, Joe. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys. What a, what an intro, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I, that's uh, and that was off kinda, the cuff too. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I uh, I'm very very appreciative, and you know, it's it, that's a uh, you know, it's fun to it's fun to reflect on and just think back to those those days of you know, for me trying to f- figure out you know, where I was in the world and, you know, you too, a little bit, Dave. And, and yeah, you know, just, it's, it's been cool about... to see how we kind of ended where we did both coach in high school. It really, you know, the, I think the premier high schools in each of the, the cities that we live in. And mm-hmm. um, I just remember uh, you coming to Furman that first kind of fall ish and you shooting out on the field. And I remember walking out there and I'm being like, Oh my God, who is that? And Ron, I, I can tell you, he has one of the best strokes that I've ever seen mechanically. Um, and he can bring it too. So you play, I, how, how long did you play pro for? I played three years and I, I will years. say my, my range was about, you know, I was like 10 yards. I mean, you know, I didn't have a lot of pop, but, but I did try to hit a spot. That's, that's yeah. basically what I prided myself on. But if, if I needed to take a two pointer in the, in the MLL or the PLL, it was it was popcorn. It was coming. It was going the other way. There was no, there was no way I was scoring a goal. Uh, I always I always joke that my, the only way I'm scoring a two pointer is on an open net on a ride with the goalie out of the goal. <laughs> I couldn't bring it. I couldn't bring it from deep. I wish I could. Well, and the but, the other thing that I think we'll probably get into a bit. I think I appreciated the most was that you had just come out of college. You played at a really high level at University of Maryland, and. 
uh, I think the thing that I remember talking to you most about was how, uh, what a teammate meant to be. And um, that's certainly something that we can, we can dive into uh, here shortly. But um, I think that's something that I always took away from our conversations early on when I was trying to get my coaching legs and figure out what the hell I was doing. I think balancing that and seeing what type of teammate you were and you describing the guys that were on your team and how you, you, you were, you know, a leader amongst them, I thought was, um, was one of the things that kind of sticks out in my mind thinking back on it. So hmm. I'm, I'm pumped to dive into that. And again, appreciate you having you and, and giving us your time. Me too. Thanks for having me. All right. I mean, let's, let, let's dive right in here, Joe. What, uh, what are you doing now? And, and uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, we're obviously all kind of living in this, um, you know, Corona, coronavirus environment. And, um, you know, so I've, I've been with the school that I work for, for um, this upcoming year will be five years. It'll be my fifth year with the lacrosse team. Um, and then my fourth uh, working for the school full time. Um, and interestingly enough, about four weeks ago, uh, an opportunity presented itself within the school to make a move from the working in the admission office to now I get to uh, run and oversee all of the uh, the summer camp programs and after school programs. So um, I'm right in the midst of uh, of, a, of kind of a transition internally, which has been a great, um, it's been a really fun challenge. And, um, you know, and specifically uh, kind of as we're thinking about summer and how do you, you know, overcome the challenges of kind of opening back up. It's, uh, it's been really fun, um, you know, just to kind of solve some problems and, you know, think about, you know, how, how's this going to look and, and, you know, how do we execute this and how do we get everybody on board? And so it's been a, it's been a, you know, it's been fun to, um, it's been a great challenge. It's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we're trying to solve for, um, you know, that we're right in the midst of solving for. So you guys are catching me at a fun time, um, you know, to kind of be talking about it, but, um, but yeah, so I work for a school here in Greenville and, um, it's been a wonderful place to work. My, my family, um, I have three young daughters. And so, you know, my family's, um, you know, the school has just really come around us not having family in town and, a lot of people have really, you know, just come come around Sarah, my wife and, and our girls. And it's just been a, yeah, it's been a, a great place to work and a phenomenal place to, to coach lacrosse and, and grow the game. Um, so we are, uh, you know, we're a young, our, our, our team, um, you know, we're a young program, uh, I guess you could say relative to maybe being an, an East coast school. Uh, I think a lot of people probably assume if, if you're on the East coast, you're, you've got, you know, established programs but South Carolina is really a very young lacrosse area um, so it's been really fun to kind of be on the front lines of of growing the game uh, giving the game more exposure to new players um, you know kind of establishing you know what what does it actually mean to be a lacrosse player um, you know I've, I've really I've really you know loved just having the opportunity to connect with other lacrosse guys who are moving to the city. And, um, so it's, it's really afforded a lot of the game's been a, it's really been fun just to use the game as a tool to, you know, connect with people. Um, and, uh, and now we're in a cool place to start seeing some kids moving on to the next level. Um, you know, we've got guys that are seeing the vision at a young age of, Hey, I, I really want to, I want to play lacrosse at the next level. And, 
Um, you know, both of you guys played, you know, high level lacrosse and you know what the commitment that comes with that. And so it's, it's been fun to sort of see a little bit of a, a transition of, you know, lacrosse as kind of a hobby to lacrosse as kind of a passion. Um, and, uh, and now to give the guys, you know, some tools in their toolkit to, you know, pursue those dreams has been, um, has been fun. It's been gratifying and, um, you know, it's been neat to kind of fall back on my experiences my coaches and just to help, help them, uh, help them grow. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing at a high level right now. Beautiful. Um, do, do you consider yourself in a leadership position right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so I've been, I've been the head coach for our school for, um, the last four years. And, uh, I was, um, this is my first, you know, first, uh, I guess, uh, time being a head coach, and, um, you know, so kind of being with a young program and, um, but also being a young coach, you know, the last, you know, four years has just been, it's been a great opportunity for me to, to learn. Uh, I really, I really believe that, you know, the, probably the core, one of the core principles for any leader is to, to be willing to grow and be willing to learn, um, and admit that you don't have all the answers. And so, um, you know, for me, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes over the last four years. Um, but I've also been fortunate that, you know, we've been able to try some different things and see what works and see what doesn't work and, um, you know, make some mistakes and ask for forgiveness and, um, you know, and, and really, you know, present an opportunity with, be presented with an opportunity to really, you know, think what is the best thing for our players right now? Um, and, uh, and so that's, you know, been really fun because every year I would say that that has changed, you know, every year because we're kind of a, still in a startup program, startup community, um, you know, the, the challenges or the, the issues each year are a little different. Um, and, uh, and so to look ahead, you know, to look back on the last year, look ahead to what do we, what do we need to do? What do we need to solve for this upcoming year based on our people and, and based on where we are as a program, you know, it's, it's really fun. It kind of keeps every, it's kept every year really fresh. Um, and that's been really, I've really enjoyed that. Can you, can you describe some of the things that you go through kind of that year? I know one of the questions that uh, I find always interesting is, you know, you're in a leadership position, like what are some things that you do that you talked about keeping things fresh and, and looking back and making sure things are new? What are some things that you do as a leader, whether it's, you know, keeping a journal, keeping a notebook, keeping a vision board? What, what, what can you kind of offer to our listeners about what you do as a leader to, to make sure that you're staying, you know, up to date, but also keeping yourself on track with everything that's going on, especially, you know, you got a lot coming out of your new job, uh, you know, coronavirus, you know, three kids under three, <laughs> you, I mean, you, your plate is full. So how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, so uh, obviously, you know, like people keep journals. I, I like to keep a working document. Google's a, an amazing resource for that. Um, so I, uh, I have working documents that I really live, live from. Um, and it was, it was four years ago that, we as a school, we were presented with a really cool opportunity 
to learn from um, a guy named Dr. Milt Lauder, who is the sports psychologist for Clemson University's football program. Um, and he, he came into our program as our school and started working with us as coaches. And so like right when he was coming in was when I was coming in as a head coach. And I, you know, we do, we would do a, um, a coach's retreat at in August and then we would have monthly sessions with him over the course of the next nine months. And, uh, and I, I could, I will honestly tell you, I mean, it has been the most, the big, the greatest blessing for me, not only as a coach, but as a person, um, because I've been able to sit down in a room and just absorb, um, knowledge from somebody that is working with and sharing stories from people, um, at the highest level of their craft. Um, and so for me, one of the things that Milt had us do right from the start, um, was he had us write down, you know, what is your why, you know, why do you coach? Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, that's sort of become, uh, I think a little bit like everybody kind of asks that, or at least that's kind of like, I feel like it's, you know, in Twitter verse and, you know, you kind of, you kind of get a lot of like, you know, why do you play type of stuff? But for, for me at the time, it was, it was one of those things that like I hadn't really processed and I hadn't really given it a lot of thought um, of why did I, co- why was I coaching and what did I, you know, what was my purpose in coaching? And so for me, every year I come back to that. I come back to my why um, I come back to, am I fulfilling my why? And, uh, and it's, and it's been an exercise that, you know, I've, I've actually made some little tweaks here and there over the years, uh, of like, you know, I, I, this is really why I love to coach. And I, I made, add a phrase, but, but I would say the core of, of why I coach, um, it has, has really remained the same. And, and it's been something that's helped me to, you know, when, you know, you're doing some things that are challenging or you're doing some things that, um, cause you to doubt, um, you know, to return to that purpose, uh, has been a really great exercise for me over the last few years. And so I've really built that out, um, over, you know, for me personally, but I've also been able to build that out for our program. So we, we do a lot of things where we start, you know, you start with why, um, but then we get into, you know, what are, um, what are our goals? You know, what, what is it, what do we want to accomplish this year? So we, you know, we have our outcome goals. Um, we have our performance goals. So just some, some, you know, uh, different objectives that we give to, um, you know, that we want to reach and accomplish. And then we have our um, process goals. So just daily things that we do that if, if we're hitting our process, um, then obviously, hopefully we're hitting our performance. And then, you know, when it comes to pass that we need to start look, thinking about our outcome, hopefully, you know, we've accomplished our outcomes. And so for us each year, I have four outcomes that I give um, our program. Um, I want our kids to graduate from high school with the tools for life. Um, so we want to equip, we want them, or excuse me, we want want them to graduate from high school. Our, we want to equip them with the tools for life. So we want them to be great people. Um, we want them to enjoy their high school experience. Um, so like we, we want them to not just lacrosse, but, 
you know, we want every aspect of their high school experience to be a blast. Um, because this is a time of your life that, you know, you can work hard, you can be goal oriented, you can have vision and passion for your future, but um, we also want you to enjoy it. Uh, we really believe that fun is, is really important. And then the last piece um, is we want them to win a championship. Um, we don't shy away from that. We're competitive, um, but we're very clear on what our outcomes are. And then from there, we're able to kind of build out, you know, a performance list and then a process list. Um, and each year for our team and for our program, I actually have our kids uh, put together their vision. You know, what is the vision for the 2020 team? What is the vision of the 2019 team? Because I think for every team, it looks different. Um, and that has been a really great exercise for us because our, our kids, you know, regardless of what the outcome is, whether they, you know, win a championship or whether they have, you know, their personal performance standards, you know, for us to, to, to um, define a vision for our program or for, for that team in that year, you know, we feel very strongly that if we are committed to our relationships together and committed to the process that we've put in place, that we're going to see that vision come to pass. And, and, you know, unfortunately, the 2020 team, it's, you know, the, the, their vision was, de you know, sort of derailed by circumstances that nobody could have foreseen. Yeah. Um, but the 2019 team, one of the things that they talked a lot about was, uh, was legacy. That was a big word that they used, um, that they understood uh, that they were a part of establishing a legacy for, for Christ Church, the cross. And, and I would say it's carried over and it's carried over into our our varsity team, but it's also really carried over into our JV and younger, um, that these, that those kids can point to that 2019 senior class, that 2019 team and see, man, those guys, like they were bought into the culture. They were bought into, um, the vision that they had for that year. And, you know, we came up short, we played the number one team in the state that season and we lost in triple overtime or no, we lost in overtime. Um, and, uh, and it was one of those games where all of us in the, in the locker room after the game, like we were obviously sad that we didn't see our, you know, see what we wanted to accomplish come to fruition. But I know that those guys look back on that season with a smile because they saw their vision come to reality. Um, and I think it's important for anybody in anything to understand that, you know, winning a championship means that like everybody else is ending on a loss. Um, so there's one team that's going to win, you know, that's going to end their year on a W if you make the playoffs. So does that mean that all of their, those seasons are like failures? No, like, and that's what we've really tried to help them understand is, um, you know, winning is an outcome. It's not something that you can control, but you can, you can control the pursuit of your vision. Um, and so each year I, I do that for myself personally, but but I really also try to talk through that with our guys and, you know, and it's something that I really enjoy doing, you know, every August as I kind of hit, hit the reset button, um, you know, this working document to kind of lay out, all right, did we accomplish what we set out to accomplish? And then what are we, what am I, what do I want to accomplish in this next year? And what do I want to see our guys accomplish in this upcoming year? And so I do it for myself personally, but I also do it for, for our team and for our program. And it's just been a great exercise over the last four years to, to start with why, and then to build from there. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, so that's a kind of a little, little piece of what we do. I think it's interesting that you see, we've had Joe, just so you know, we've had all different types of coaches. We've had business, we've had city councilmen on here and um, the, the, the similarities between like you're coaching, you know, 14 to 18 year olds, I'm coaching 14 to 18 year olds, but you know, uh, we had another, our first guest, he's got, you know, what, 300 people underneath him, something like that. Almost 200. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he talks about like kind of the same thing going through that with their people and going through their goals and what their performance goals are, but how that ultimately that investment in that child that you're taking the time to walk him through that, um, I think says a lot about, you know, whether or not you're successful on the field, they're going to be successful off the field, even more importantly. So um, I think that's awesome. And it's so cool to be in my seat hearing that, that it doesn't change from a guy who's in corporate America to a guy who's at a high school job, not to belittle that by any means, that's what I do. But at the same time that that impact can be so similar, but have two totally different kind of, you know, professional paths, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, and I can easily play the, you know, I can, I feel like I can relate and I can play the comparison game that, you know, one is, you know, different than the other. Um, but, but that's why I really, that's why I'm such a big believer in starting with why. Um, because like, I think if you believe, you know, in yourself and you believe in, in why you're doing this, like, I want to, I want to do whatever I do to the best of my ability. And so, you know, if, if that's, you know, in whatever that work is that, you know, the, the previous speaker was in or, you know, working, you know, in, um, moving dirt, whatever it might be, it's like, I want to be the best at whatever I do. Um, and I want the people that work for me to be the best at whatever they do. And, and I feel like that's just, it's, it, it's always good to just, I think, I, you know, I feel like it's proven just, you know, it's so important to start with why, you know, what is your purpose? Um, why are you doing it? So, yeah. I, uh, I love the why Joe and, and we had, um, I don't know Dave, if it was our first or our second year when we had Irv come talk to the guys. Um, we, we had, that was uh, awesome. yeah. Irving, Irving Roland, he was a um, he was a skills he was a skills coach in the NBA. Specifically worked with Harden, uh, and I got uh, friends with him now. And, and we had him come talk to the guys. And I I, don't, I didn't know what to expect. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but I was I became a fan of the Rockets when I moved to Houston, and, and we became friends. And he came and and he talked about what's your why. Um, yeah, he specifically used two players, right? Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, right? Yeah. And he, he worked He worked with them with the Clippers yep. and when they were both there. And he just talked about how, you know, the why for Chris Paul was drastically different than the why for DeAndre Jordan. And their careers went in kind of different trajectories, uh, mm-hmm. even though he said that DeAndre Jordan was like one of, if not the best, like athlete, specimen that he had ever seen so, mm-hmm. sorry to cut you off Ron, but no i mean that that's that, that sticks out yeah i mean that's that's the beauty of, of the why right and i think to take it from a coach's angle um and joe it sounds like you're using this why not only for yourself but for your team and your players and now you know you know what fires somebody up you know how to get somebody going because you know their why 
and, mm-hmm. and I, I work in a sales organization and, and the best advice I've ever heard, I've ever learned was like just telling people to try to get their commission is not good enough. Do you know why they want it? Right. Like, yeah, everyone wants to make a ton of money. Why? Oh, we right. want to buy our first house. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Now I know I'm going to go, Hey Joe, quarter's almost up. Big difference between a $300,000 house and a $500,000 house. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what is your, what do you want it to look like? You know, how, how many garages do you want? And you start to, you start to really use the why as a motivating factor. And that's much, mm-hmm. um, I know, I, I just feel like from everything that I've learned and I'm, I'm hearing and I'm listening, it's like, you can ask for the outcomes all day, but if you ask for the why, that's going to be, I think you're going to get a little more output. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it, and I feel like, you know, someone's why, you know, it, it's, it, it is, um, it's bigger than your circumstances, you know, it's bigger than whatever, you know, whatever you're in, you know, so, you know, like for me, my why it encompasses not just my work, which, you know, is coaching, um, you know, but it, it encompasses, you know, how I, you know, relate to people, my family, my, my wife, my, my children, um, you know, because for me, I, I don't believe that, um, you can compartmentalize something as core, uh, as the why, you know, as, as, as your own why. And, um, and so I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, the way you do any, the way you do anything is how you'll do everything. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, you're the, you know, the way you are at home to the way you are at work, you know, I, I, you hear a lot about, you know, people, they're like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's one way at home. And then he's, but I feel like it's important, like, you know, it's consistency, especially, you know, I think as I continue to get older, like, it's not a sprint, like it's a marathon. And, uh, and if you're, if, if your mindset is to, um, you know, kind of be a little bit compartmentalized, I'm, I'm a big believer, like, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, you know, you're going to get to, you're going to get to the point where, um, and, and I feel like I can relate this back to like my playing days, like, there were times when I was a player cause I didn't, I never really processed like, why did I play? Um, like I never asked myself that question when I was a player. So I didn't really have language to look to. And, uh, and I can think of, you know, specific times where I was like, man, I am burned out. Like I am just done. And not only that, like, I just felt like I was compartmentalizing myself in, you know, I'm completely focused on being a great lacrosse player but other areas of my life, like I was sort of falling apart. Um, and it was, and it was hard to, you know, I, I look back on that and I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I would have had these types of conversations when I was 16 and 17. Um, because I feel like my approach, my mindset with, um, with, you know, everything that I did, you know, end of high school into college and, and as a professional, I would have, it would have been a lot different. And obviously hindsight, you know, we all can think is, you know, you have a lot more clarity. Um, but, but I, I can specifically think of like, you know, I was, I was really burned out at certain points, but I feel like if you, um, you know, just giving myself language and, you know, there's definitely, there's certainly seasons where you're like, all right, I, I, ne- I definitely need to recharge the battery, but, but my purpose, my, my, my why it, it, it remains and it, and it continues to keep me going. Um, I think, I think that's so important because, uh, you know, especially in our profession with dealing with 14 to 18 year old boys, right. They'll drive you nuts. 
Uh-huh. And if you go off the deep end <laughs> and don't stay consistent, don't stay with who you are, you're going to eat a get eaten alive by them, or you're going to, you're going to totally turn them off. Right. And, and they're, they're, they're going to be lost and not mm-hmm. want anything to do with you. So I think that to that point, um, and I really liked how you utilize the language, right? Mm-hmm. You got to know how to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Is there anything that you can kind of elaborate on that language that you've found that is helpful for you yeah. as a leader in your position? Yeah. I mean, language is huge. Um, I feel like first off, just for myself, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, to, in discipling myself, leading myself first. Like if I can't, if I'm not leading myself, um, then, you know, then I think none of, none of the other stuff is going to fall into place. And so I'm a big believer like that I've got to talk to myself. I can't listen to myself because if I listen to myself, inherently my thoughts are negative. And so I've got to talk to myself. And, um, and so I'm a big believer to start with, like, I need language to, to, uh, to talk to myself. And, you know, a lot of that language for me comes from, you know, um, reading in in the scriptures, reading the Bible. Uh, I'm a big believer in, in, um, you know, in, in being ingrained in truth like that. And, um, as a, as a follower of Jesus, that's where I find truth. But then specifically for, for us as, as an, or, you know, as a program, um, I think a lot about, uh, you know, what I want my coaches saying to our players, like that language, the language that I'm communicating, it has to be the same from them too, because I can't be, I do not want to be the type of coach that is getting into their business of how they're communicating to our players. Like I, I want to help empower them to do what they do, which is coach and make a positive impact and help impart, you know, great lessons uh, on the field, but also off the field. But, but we need to be consistent across the board, um, you know, as coaches. And so I, I really put a big emphasis on language from our coaches to our kids. Um, and then what happens is, I think with, uh, with our kids, they then will pick up that we're using a certain language and then they start using that language together. And so I think when there's consistency, you know, we don't, we don't really have, you know, media that are coming out to, to speak to us and ask us, you know, what's going on. But I think when you, what you see with really successful organizations or really successful teams is you oftentimes you hear the players, they sound exactly like the head coach. And I think that that's a really great mark of great organizations is that the language is consistent from the top all the way down to the last guy. And that if, you know, if you're at the Clemson football media days or the Alabama football media days, and you go to the last player on the team. So the guy that doesn't play, doesn't, you know, he's, he's, you know, a scout team guy, but if he's saying the exact same thing as the head coach, man, then you know that he's bought in. Like if he's using language that is consistent, um, that for me is a great marker um, because I think I think one of the things that is the mark of any great team is that if the last guy on the team believes he's just as important as the first guy, um, you've got yourself a great team and a team that's, that can probably do something really special. Um, so, but I think a I think part you know one of the biggest parts of all that is it starts with language. And how, how you, you know, you as the leader of your team, 
how do you communicate with your players? How do you, how do you communicate with your coaches? How do you, you know, for us as high school coaches, shoot, it's, it's probably even more important. How do you communicate with parents? You know, how do you, how do you give cast your vision for your program to the parents? Um, Because they are an integral part of any team. And I have heard stories of guys that don't get the parent buy-in and it's, and it's a nightmare. Um, And I think if you're not, if you're not intentional of setting your vision, um, establishing your standard with parents, you know, they're, that's a, such a unique piece to high school coaching that college coaches don't have to really deal with because, you know, what we do at high school practice in college, those guys are going home to a dorm or to their house or whatever. But in high school, like the things that we're communicating to them, like parents can totally undermine that when they get home. So like they can be with you from four to six thirty. But the moment they walk through the door at 645 and they ask how practice is and you tell them, you know, it's a tough practice and, and a parent undermines whatever you're communicating, you know, then you, you, you're really working against two forces. And that's really hard to do. And so I think it's really important for high school coaches to take the time to get to know your parents, to bring them into what you're doing and, and help them understand, like, hey, I'm. I'm coaching your son, you know, two, two to three hours a day. You're parenting your son 24 hours a day. We're on the same team and we want to come alongside you to help your son become the best version of themselves. And I think, you know, when parents understand that like you're for their child and that you're coming alongside them and you're going to make decisions with their best interest in mind, generally speaking, I think they want to, they're, they want to get on board with that. Um, and it's hard sometimes. And I'm grateful that, you know, I'm grateful that I'm not necessarily in a high pressure situation as it relates to playing time. And are you going to get my son to college and some of the things that maybe some of these major markets like you and I grew up in, Dave, um, I think that's a little bit harder to do. But generally speaking, um, you know, I think parents just want to know, like, do you have my son's best interest in mind? And are you are you for them? Um, and I think if you can set that vision for them and you can communicate the same language that you're communicating to your, to your assistant coaches, to the team, to the administration, like if you're consistent across the board, I really think it, it, it you, you set yourself up for tremendous long-term success. Um, you know, and you also save yourself a lot of headache uh, because you know that you're living out, you know, how you communicate consistently with all people. Um, but again, I think it starts with you. I think it starts with yourself. You got to talk to yourself first, man. I, I, first of all, I wanted to just bring it back because you dropped, you dropped some serious knowledge with, I got to talk to myself, not listen to myself. I just feel like that, that is super powerful, especially when you are in a, in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's, it's really easy to put yourself last so often that, you start to you start to really you start to let yourself down in that in that space. Um, so I thought that was really important. Um, and then like everything you're talking about, and again, like everyone we talk to come from very different fields or doing very different things, but it always comes down to people and culture, right? Like it's about your people, it's about your message, the culture, right? Like how do I get everybody on the same page? How do I I, I make sure that um, we're all talking the same language that our vision and our mission is so clear that I don't have to be looking. We're all moving the same direction. You know, we mm-hmm. can focus on this together. So 
I, I just wrote that's such a powerful message and, and we've heard, um, we continue to hear themes. And, and I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really beautiful that uh, in leadership, it, it is very thematic uh, and, and there's so much room for style and approach, mm-hmm. um, but it's thematic, right? So we know people matter. We know mm-hmm. message matters. We know integrity matters, you know? Um, and it usually comes down to a few things. But uh, my big question for you, Joe, is you, um, you're, you're very concise in, your, in how you lead as a coach and as a leader. What were you like as a player where you were a peer? Like, did you have, did you take that same approach of being vocal? Um, because the things that you're saying are very much the things that I think people crave from their peers, not just mm-hmm. their leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think kind of going back to um, how you do anything is the way that you'll, you'll do everything. And, you know, thinking back to myself as a, as a player, um, you know, I, I think, um, there's, there's pieces of me that, that, um, has regret, uh, because I wish I could have done things differently. Um, but, but I, um, and and I feel like just even now I, I think back and, you know, one of the things that I can remember as a player, um, I loved, uh, playing with emotion. Like I loved, like, you know, I loved, having, you know, the emotion, but, but the problem when I was, you know, 16 to 20, um, you know, I have a saying that I tell our guys, it's like play with emotion, but don't be emotional. And I was emotional. Um, and so when I was high, like I was, I was on, like, it was like, you know, I, it's kind of like watching Tom Brady, you know, just getting dem- destroyed by the golf course, um, you know, the other day and, uh, you know, it's fun to watch and see and see him be human a little bit. Um, but, but at the same time, like he's a, I think he's a guy that does this really well where he plays with emotion. He's not emotional, but I think you see some guys like they can also spiral. So like when they're really hot, man, they're on fire, but also when they're really cold, goodness, like it's, it's tough. And, you know, I think sometimes as a player, I was emotional and I didn't play with emotion. Um, and, uh, and I feel like as a coach, I've really learned how to, how to do that a little bit better. Um, but that was, I think for me, just as in my performance, um, you know, playing emotionally, I think was something, you know, that I, and I think, I think I also had a lot of times where I, um, was able to be emotional because I was on, I was on great teams. I had great teammates around me. So, you know, the lows weren't always super low and they weren't low for very long because there were people always around me to help, you know, pick me up. And I think that's the beauty of, of team sports. Um, but, I, but I think one of the things for me, just as a thinking back on my time as a player, um, was I always, I always wanted everybody on the, you know, kind of taking the, the Minnesota, uh, you know, slogan, but I wanted everybody on the boat. Like I wanted to get everybody on the boat. Um, And I wanted us all going and pursuing in the same direction and working just as hard, you know, so every practice, everything that we did, like, I really wanted us all, you know, to be pursuing, you know, the same thing. And, and, uh, and it was probably one of my most favorite things to see guys excel at the highest level, you know, on a team. That was probably one of my favorite things as a teammate uh, was to get the, 
get the best out of every guy. Um, and some guys ceilings were higher than others. Uh, but if we could get the best out of everybody, you know, we had a chance and I can think back, um, you know, Dave won't really like this story, but you know, I can think back to 2008 and we got absolutely destroyed by Gilman in the regular season. I mean, it was like, it was like 16 to seven at, at my high school at Loyola. Um, and I remember looking at my teammate, Steele Stanwick, who went on to play at the University of Virginia, won a Tawarton trophy. Um, you know, he's been a MLL champion. But at the time, I remember looking at him and being like, man, like, like, just what are we going to do? You know, and like earlier that season, we lost to a team from Colorado and like that wasn't supposed to happen. And like, so we were just on this roller coaster ride, but we kind of all committed to just like, all right, we're just going to be the you know, the best that we can be as individuals. And then hopefully that will make the us the best team that we can be. And, you know, I think when guys kind of humbled themselves and kind of understood their role, again, I think that kind of goes back to language and communication of like how important it is that guys know their role. But I think when, when, when our, when my teammates and I kind of understood our role on the team and what we needed to contribute to the team in order for us to be successful, um, you know, when we kind of like really realized that we started to, we started to experience a little bit of the magic. And, uh, and so for me, I think that was like probably my, my most favorite thing about being a teammate um, was when you would see guys, when I would see guys around me, you know, understand their role as it relates in, in to the team. And then they execute, they tried to execute that role to the best of their ability. Um, and, you know, that, that season in 2008, um, you know, we, we beat a Calvert Hall team in triple overtime um, in the semifinals of the MIAA uh, playoffs. Um, and by one, you know, and then the next game, I, rem- I remember walking off the field and there were some, some Gilman guys who looked at us and said, thank you. And I just remember like, thank you for saying that, you know, like, cause it just gave me that added inspiration that I needed. Cause they wanted to play us. They didn't want to play Calvert Hall because Calvert Hall gave them a run for their money earlier in the year. Um, but we, uh, you know, we had some additional added motivation heading into that game, but, but we, in our, in the championship game, we had guys come out of nowhere and play unbelievable games. So like the current assistant coach at Harvard, his name's Neil Hutchinson, and he came out of nowhere and like pumped in three goals. We had a young, we had some young guys, some sophomores come in and pump they pumped in three goals for us and like we were just getting contributions from like the most random places and it was awesome one because our bench was pumped our student section was jacked up but we just had guys who had just been working at it and working at it and like they were believing and then all of a sudden it was clicking at the right moment and we pulled out a a victory against you know the number one team in the nation and we were like you know, I mean, we had, we were, I feel like we were a very good team. I I mean, I always, when I tell guys some stories, I'm like, you know, it's all relative, you know, we were like number 17th in the nation as a high school playing the number one team in the nation. But, but it was such a, it was such a cool experience to reflect on, um, you know, to see everybody kind of play their best at the right time because they had put in so much preparation of believing in themselves, believing in their role, uh, that we were able to, you know, do something really special as a team. And, you know, even thinking back to college, you know, same thing, like just guys understanding and buying into their role. And 
Um, I think it takes a level of humility to do that because sometimes some guys' roles aren't very glamorous. It's not the greatest role. Um, but when they decide to really buy into it and do it to the best of their ability, I think it, you know, has the opportunity to do something special. And unfortunately in college, you know, I didn't win the championship. You know, we lost twice to Maryland, uh, to Virginia and Loyola, but, um, but I still look back on those teams and think like, you know what, like we did something really special that, you know, we made it to the championship. We came up just short of our goal, but man, that was awesome to see guys, you know, you know, flourishing at the right time because of, you know, what they were doing. So that was probably my favorite thing as a teammate was, you know, helping get guys, you know, to buy into, to what their role was and believe like, I'm just a, I'm just a scout team guy, but dang it. Like my role on Thursday is so important to get my teammate ready that I want to, I want whatever I do on, you know, Tuesday through Thursday in practice to be better than whatever they're going to see on Saturday in the game. And like, you know, and I think, you know, I can remember as a freshman, I was at Maryland, I was, um, I was supposed to be, and at the time I was kind of more of a role player. I played extra man, but you know, I didn't have a big role on the team. Um, but I needed to be that week. I needed to be Ryan Hoff because we were playing Notre Dame and, you know, Ryan Hoff was this amazing, you know, off ball player. And, uh, basically we were, we all knew like this was going to be the week that we got to beat Notre Dame. And if we can take down Ryan Hoff, we're going to win. And uh, I can remember um, my teammates kind of basically my, the scout team teammates basically being like, Joe, we're going to jam it into you. Like, so I just was like, all right. Like I kind of viewed it as like, I'm going to have a blast this week. Cause like they're throwing me the ball. Cause I was more of a crease guy. And, uh, and they just, they were just slinging it in there. And I was just, I had the most fun that week, but I was driving our starter crazy because, you know, I was just relentless and like, I just wanted to give him the best look I could. And, you know, it ended up that I had a pretty good game, you know, in the opportunities that I had to play. But, but after the game, he came to me and he it was a senior and I was a freshman, but he came to me and he said, what you did to me all week was harder than anything I saw in the game just now. And so I just want to say thank you. And I, and it just, it just clicked for me. Like, you know how important those scout guys are and 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 it all comes down to perspective like if you if you believe that you matter just as much as that first guy um you know you can really help your team and so i i just prided myself uh, of trying to be a good teammate in that way that's awesome man um speaking of looking back um can you talk about maybe um you know some of those leaders i know you talked about dr louder who's been a big influence on you um, who else looking back kind of, I know you've had some great coaches. We had a mutual coach, uh, that was your head coach. Um, that, that was my offensive coordinator, um, that had a big impact on me as a, as a player and a coach. Um, who, who do you look to and, and what are some of those kind of lessons that, um, you know, you, you utilize on a daily basis? Yeah. So, um, so I, I you know, coach Tillman, um, uh, my, my college coach, my junior and senior year, um, you know, I, I think he really came in and, you know, he focused on culture. Uh, I really looked to him as a, as a guy I learned a lot from, um, you know, of just how to, how to run an organization and, and how to get that type of buy-in. Um, you know, he's, he's just, you know, he's probably the, the best coach I've ever had. I feel so grateful to have been under his leadership 
Um, you know, and I'm so proud of him and, and all the success that he's had at Maryland. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a guy that I, I really feel like, you know, he understands how important the details are. Um, and that was something that I really took from him. Um, you know, there, there've been other leaders. I have a, I have a friend who, um, I interned for, um, while I was in college who he was a golfer and then he, um, but he, then he went into business and, you know, I got to have the opportunity to come under his leadership and, and his, you know, discipleship and, and really understand, you know, what it means to be a friend. Um, you know, he kind of talked, he, we were able to, I was just really able to learn from him of like, what does it look like to live an integrated life where, you know, how you are at work and how you are with family, um, how you are when you, you know, compete or, you know, whatever it is, you know, like what, what does it look like just to be the truest version of yourself? Um, you know, he's, that's a, he's a, he's a dear friend to this day. And, um, and then I've had some mentors over the years, um, guys that are, you know, in their fifties, I have a, I have a close friend who's in his eighties. Um, I love to tell people that I have a friend who's in his eighties. Um, but, but, uh, but, you know, these guys, um, you know, guys, a friend of mine named Marty and Tim and Merle, and, you know, these guys are all older. They're kind of on the other side of life, but they've, they've really been tremendous mentors for me of, you know, what does it mean to, to love, love Jesus? What does it mean to love my wife? What does it mean to love my children? Um, you know, these are, these have all been people that, you know, have practical applications of, you know, just how to love others. And, uh, and so they've, you know, just been tremendous mentors of mine. And then I've, I've been fortunate to have a few guys that I meet with on a weekly basis. Um, we kind of get together and we just talk about life and, um, and just, uh, you know, what, what our friendship is, has been for me has been tremendous because we've been able to just kind of talk through different circumstances that each of us are going through. And we, uh, we talk about Jesus and, um, yeah, so I, I feel like, I feel like God has blessed me with, with great friends and, and great people that I've learned from about leadership. And, um, so yeah, that I, and I feel like from every single one of them, you know, it's fun. You, you take, you take little pieces of each of them with you and, and you kind of make it your own and you take whatever it is that you learn from them. And that's why I feel like it's so important to have a growth mindset and a, and a, and a mindset of, you know, being willing to, uh, to learn from other people because, you know, I, I, I didn't think like that when I was younger, you know, school is, um, you know, it's kind of just like checking the box and, you know, now being out of school, I want to learn more than ever. And it's, it's funny how that changes, but, um, you know, that's been, you know, those guys have really just, you know, that I listed have just been tremendous people that, that have impacted me in, in, in a lot of ways. I think that two things that I, you know, specifically with this coronavirus stuff of being not having a season, going through that emotion, um, then trying to come up with a plan to still, you know, forget about my feelings. What about the kids? You know, they're going through a situation where, you know, we specifically had Ronnie and I had a, a senior group that this is our first senior group and we were pretty good. Finally, oh. you know, it was like, we finally got them to this point and we were six games in, we, we played a really tough schedule. So we were just starting to click a bit. Um, and then it all goes kaput. Well, how do you make something out of that situation? Mm. And I really feel like the coronavirus has given me a different perspective. It also has, you know, you can always utilize that. Well, play like you don't have a tomorrow. 
I think mm-hmm. is like, there's, there's no way you can't anymore. Right. Um, and then on top of that, I think uh, our zoom meetings, we met Tuesdays and Thursdays and you know, there's a, you have the season, you've got practice, you've got limited time to get the stuff that needs to get done. We had more time than we ever thought we had to talk about the things that you always wish you could. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie can t- is a testament to that. The discussions that we had, um, not always great, but the ones that we really got into uh, about leadership, about life, about what's going on around us, it was really powerful. It's um, awesome. So I think, you know, utilizing the time that you have. And then I think your, your growth mindset uh, is really important to have as a leader. And we've heard that from a lot of the different kind of guys that we've had on here, guys and gals of, of having that growth mindset and how important that is. And even when it is a shitty situation, like coronavirus and everything that happened, a having perspective, you know, thank God we're healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we got food on the table, all those types of things, but then also how can you get better from this? What can you create out of this? And I think that's something that that growth mindset uh, really has instilled in me. Um, And and to to your point of of learning, right. Mm -hmm. I, I find myself now as a coach, I thought I knew everything like the first two, three years. And I was like, I got this. I, we're fine. But now it's like, I, I'm yearning to learn more and realize mm-hmm. like, uh Oh, what the hell am I doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it re it, it re-energizes you, but also it recalibrates you. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, to those couple points were, were really, uh, were, were spot on. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I love the, you know, just the, you know, cause one of the things that I think is so hard for, for this generation coming up, I, I certainly, I think, I think men in general, but you know, vulnerability is hard and, and it is, it is, um, you know, what you're, you know, what you're sharing things that you thought you'd never share. Um, you know, it's, especially with, even within your own team, you know, which you would say are trusted, you know, um, friends or, you know, trusted brothers, you know, like for, but the, the ability to like be honest um, and share, you know, how you're doing. And and I feel like, you know, this coronavirus has created, um, I think an opportunity for a lot of people to like, you know, it sort of invited the opportunity to be honest with how you're doing Um, because everybody's handling this differently and it's not, not impacting everybody. Um, and, and so I feel like, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about with our guys is, you know, vulnerability invites vulnerability. Um, and if you're willing to be vulnerable, um, you're actually inviting other people to do the same with you. And, and what you find is actually, I think like you're, you're more alike than you realized. Um, you know, like the guy that you thought was tough and, you know, had it all together and all this stuff. And he, he admits, you know, things are really hard at home or man, I'm really struggling with, you know, being cooped up or I've got this relationship challenge. Like, you know, like people all over are dealing with real things. And I think now more than ever, I mean, you know, you're seeing it, like people are really dealing with a lot of challenges. And I think one of the beauty, one of the beautiful things of a team, you know, one of the beautiful things of being in the positions like we're in is we get the opportunity to foster an environment 
where vulnerability is invited and it's actually welcomed and encouraged um, because, you know, there aren't many places where kids get that. Um, So I'm a, you know, I have a quote and Joe Ehrman, he sent his kids to, to the Gilman school, but, you know, Joe talks a lot in his book, Inside Out Coaching, about next to parents, coaches have the op- the greatest opportunity to positively impact the life of a young person. Um, and so I'm, I'm a huge believer in like, in what we do has a little bit to do with sports. It has a lot to do with life. And, and I think like this season and, and this time, you know, uh, like it's, it's really, and, and anytime in general, I think if we can get these young men to really talk about, um, how they're doing and, you know, what they're dealing with, you know, it's a, it's just a really neat opportunity to, um, you know, to have them work on something and practice something that ultimately I want them to do for the rest of their lives. Um, because it's a muscle, like vulnerability is a muscle and your ability to work that muscle, um, I think will lead to greater freedom, uh, later on, later on down the road. Cause it's really hard for us. Uh, you know, I think the one thing for men as they get older is we become, you know, more independent, but really we also become more alone. Um, and so if you can fight that and you can understand how to, connect with others by being vulnerable to lead with actually your weakness to lead with, you know, areas where you don't have it all together actually is an invitation to other people to admit and say, yeah, I don't have it all together. And man, we're a lot more alike than we are different. Um, and, uh, and I think that actually creates connection for people rather than, um, you know, rather than isolation, which, you know, men, you know, are renowned as they get older, just to become more and more isolated. Um, so if, if our kids can start working that muscle at a young age through a team, man, I hope that they'll be able to work that muscle as they get older in the rest of their life. I mean, no, number one, um, like we're saving lives when you do that, right? Like, say, like that leads to clinical depression. Like that mm-hmm. is, it's a, it's a real study. It's, it's real, especially in men because of these things. Um, but I, like, I so, so connect with everything you're saying. I've been in leadership positions uh, for most of my like professional career, just by title. Um, but I didn't become a leader until I started really being vulnerable and sharing my shit. Um, mm-hmm. Because then people were just, they were on my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that changed everything for me personally in my journey. And, and I continue to go through, through it um, every day. Um, so I feel like we've talked a lot about, you know, the lessons and the people in your circle. And, and I do, I, I learned this very early on, like you are the sum of the 10 people around you. That's as good or as bad as you're going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like someone walks in a room and says, raise your hand if you want to be the smartest person in the room. Anyone who raises their hand, you're like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be around you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just, those aren't the people who are going to make you better. But um, with that in mind and that thought process, there's some leaders that you were around that, and, and obviously, you know, we're not here to like shout people out, but what are some of the leadership experiences you've been around where you're like, okay, um, not going to do that or has impacted you in a way where you learned something, even if it wasn't the most positive experience to be a part of? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, there's so much that you can learn from, you know, what not to do. And, um, you know, and I think, uh, that's, that's been something that I, I feel like I've been fortunate and that I've been around a lot of great leaders. Um, you know, I feel like I've, uh, from all my coaches and, you know, pe- people that I've worked for, but, you know, th- there've definitely been some experiences where, you know, I can, I can, ha- I've had, you know, interactions and people that have been in authority over me, you know, where, you know, I've definitely, I can definitely reflect and say like, you know, I, I would, definitely handle that differently. Like I would have, I'd handle this situation a lot differently. I, you know, I can think to, you know, like my playing days and, um, you know, coaches that, uh, you know, would, you know, I guess, you know, you're feeling overcoached. Um, you know, I think almost like a micromanaging type of situation where, you know, somebody's trying to, um, you know, they're trying to critique something uh, from you from a place of what really feels like they don't really know you, Um, you know, and that's why I feel like it's so important, you know, why relationships are so important is because, like, you know, if if you can establish that trust, and you can establish one that that you're for somebody, then they're going to invite you to, to be able to communicate, you know, ways that they can improve. And sometimes I felt I can feel like, I, I remember being a player and getting some feedback from, from a coach who maybe I thought didn't really know me and, you know, was just being critical and, um, and, and trying to micromanage or trying to overcoach me. Um, and, uh, and they didn't really know me. And that was very frustrating, um, especially to experience that like on a day in day out basis. Um you know, I've definitely been in situations where, um, you know, I've had people in, that I've observed in, in leadership positions who, you know, just sort of seemed, um, you know, apathetic, like they just didn't, didn't seem like they cared, um, you know, and that, uh, you know, when you're, when you're asking people to commit, um, but you're portraying, and maybe you don't even mean it, um, but you're portraying that, you, uh, don't really care, uh, is very frustrating. Um, and, uh, and it causes, you know, doubt. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I learned from, from that, you know, is it's, it's really hard to see yourself, how other people see you. Um, like we, none of us have a really healthy view of how people receive us or see us. And so I think it's so important to have a few people kind of like these guys that I meet with on a weekly basis to be around me and basically be like, how, how do you, how do you receive me? You know, like how, how do other people receive me? Like, do I come across as arrogant and as a jerk? Do I come across as passive? Do I come across as caring and loving and intentional? Like how do you, you know, and, and, and that's a scary question to, to open up because, you know, you want the honest answer. Um, and you gotta be ready, you gotta be ready for it. And you gotta be ready to receive some yeah. information that maybe you don't want. And, um, but, but I always, you know, I, I remember like looking and saying, you know, I remember like just perceiving these leaders and just being like, I don't know why they're doing that. Like what, you know, what, what did they think that we're thinking when they act that way? Um, and so I've always kind of asked, 
you know, some trusted advisors around me to say like, how do you see me? How am I being received by other people? Um, you know, was I clear what, you know, all this, you know, just because I just want to know, um, you know, how I'm coming off. Cause I can have the best of intentions, but it can be received, you know, maybe in the wrong context or it can be received, um, you know, with misunderstanding. And so, um, you know, I've definitely been around leaders that have not done that well. And, and they didn't even want to know, they didn't, they didn't care what anybody thought. And I, and I, and I think that's so, you know, that's so lazy. Um, it's so like, um, I, I'm trying to find a better word, but I don't, I don't like, want to make, ex- I don't want to make excuses, but for a long time, like, like well before our time, right guys, like a leader, a leader was someone who made decisions, was super confident, didn't give a shit what anybody thought. Like that was, that was a leader for a very long time. Yeah. And that's yeah, a hard thing to break, man. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know where that comes out of like the, you know, I mean like the, the patent there, general patent or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know if about history about, you know, like that style of like being removed and just kind of pointing and like unapproachable. Stuff. Yeah. But I just feel like it's so important to like, you gotta be in the weeds. Like you gotta be on the ground. I mean, I, I, uh, I love the, the movie or the, the television show, um, that was on HBO probably 12 years ago, but band of brothers and like, you know, Dick Winters is one of the the guys that is, you know, he's portrayed and like, he's the type of leader, like he worked his way up. Um, but there's, there's another one, Captain Sobel, who's played by, you know, whoever Ross Geller is, you know, but Schwimmer. like Sh- Sh- David Schwimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you, but you see these two interactions and you can see that Richard Winters in the, in the first episode and, um, and Captain Sobel, like they're two completely different types of leaders. And, you know, Sobel was not in touch at all. Like he was, you know, just completely arrogant and, you know, almost unreasonable in some ways. And then when he would make a mistake, like he did admit it and like he would place blame on other people. Whereas Richard Winters, you know, he was a guy that, you know, he wanted to hear how his, his guys were doing. Like he wanted to connect with them on a personal level. Um, you know, and I, and I feel like, you know, that's, that was the, you know, I really took a lot of inspiration from that show. I actually watched that shit, you know, talk about something I did every year. I actually watched that show back every year because I'm I telling just, you, I brought I, that up with my team this year. So no doubt. I, 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 I said, you guys got to watch it. I watch it every year. I watch all every episode every year because it's just, it's so refreshing because it's all about team and it's all about coming together. And, uh, you know, but, but that's a, you know, I just don't want to be that type of leader, you know, like I don't want to be captain Sobel. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, it's funny because I, I brought that up uh, a couple of my captains this year. Actually, I was like, you guys got to watch this. And they, they were like, wow, it's really good. So it was Matt. I think, uh, you know, a couple of our guys uh, watched it together, which was even cooler. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's so, it's interesting that you can pull from all those different things. And I think when you're in a position of leadership, you're always evaluating to some extent. Um, and I think that's, it's twofold, right? It's self-evaluation, but it's also evaluating those around you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, looking back on the bad leaders that I've had, it's the ones that could never admit they're wrong, had mm-hmm. to prove, continue to prove themselves. 
Um, and then the humility piece, which I think is you, you spoke to very eloquently of, of being able to look at yourself and ask that question to your buddies. Hey, mm-hmm. how am I perceived? Cause mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, you know, you talk about blending humility and vulnerability there. That's like the ultimate, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, you are in the, uh, the firing line if you're asking that question, because you're not quite sure, you know, I know I probably come off a certain way, you know, on my bad days, which, you know, hopefully are few and far between, but you always have them. I can be, you know, a bastard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, um, so, uh, I know, and my wife can probably speak to that even more. So, um, I think it's, you know, that, that humility and vulnerability, I think are two things that, um, I look to as a leader to make sure that I'm always evaluating those, those things. And it's like everybody's perception is, is the reality you live in. Yep. That's what's crazy about, I mean, like I had, um, I had a, a leader early on and she was this amazing woman, um, in, in the first like real professional job I had in healthcare. And she told me, she's like, Ronnie, like you need to understand a few things. Like you work with a lot of women and when you have something like really rough feedback to work through, you need to be sitting down. You need to be leaning back. You need to slow your speech. And she, she's like, you don't recognize that all of that is being perceived as you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. And you're talking the same way I'm talking to you guys right now. I'm leaning forward. I'm doing all the things, but she's like, when you undress the scenario, now people can hear your words mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter because perception is crushing everything else you're doing and saying. Yeah. So I got a crash course early on, but that's like, you guys are saying the exact same thing, you know? Yeah. doesn't matter what you say. It matters how you say it. That's yeah. That's, that's good. Love that. And, and it's always, uh, it's always interesting because I, Ronnie can attest to the fact that I, um, I obsess, about timeouts, right? And so it's the one thing that really keeps me up at night of like everything else I think will kind of take care of itself, hopefully, but the timeout, this situation, like I never want to be in a situation where someone's questioning me about when I call a timeout or I have the games over and I have them in the bag. That never makes me feel good. Lose by one, have a timeout in the back pocket, you're back. (laughs) It's it's heartbreaking, but I think um, to your point of being able to, have that even keel and your delivery and the words in that heightened moment, I think are so um, inter. And I look back on, you know, kind of those moments, you know, in games, either when you're down a goal or you're up, you know, we were at uh, Duke my last year at Air Force and we beat Duke down there in overtime. And I remember in one of the timeouts, you know, I was nervous. I was a young coach, but I was like, I was like, guys, I don't have anything to say. You guys having fun. And like, they all kind of t- had a chuckle, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, whether that helped or not, I know it alleviated for me, but mm-hmm. it was something that, you know, I didn't, I didn't make up anything. I didn't try to fabricate anything. I was trying to just be honest. Like they could tell I was <laughs> nervous. Right. And right. I tried to give them something to, 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 and myself to, to back that down. So I think to your point of, of that, how you're perceived, but also, you know, you're delivering and, you want to make sure that they're hearing the words, not your actions or your animation mm-hmm. with those words, I think is super important as a leader. Yeah. And I think that question, like in those tense moments, I mean, that's my favorite question to ask is just, you guys having fun? And they're like, yeah, because it kind of puts it in perspective of like, this is, this is fun. Like, and that's, 
you know, that kind of goes back to like one of our outcome goals, but like, I want them to enjoy all this, you know, and like, you know, we all grew up. I mean, you know, I think kids are still growing up this way, but like I grew up as the kid of like, I would do the countdown on the basketball court and I was terrible at basketball, (laughs) but I would still do the countdown and I would try to hit the shot like MJ, you know, and it's like, you know, and everybody kind of wants that moment, you know, and you know, it's, and it's fun to, I don't know, when you're in that moment to say like, kind of almost go back to when you're a kid and be, yeah, this is just me in the yard, man. Just having fun. Like let's just go out there and make a play. Um, But you guys like, it's such a special, it's such a special thing that we've all lived through because of sports that we've had people do that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it transcends sports. You know, I've done, I I I grew up in the arts and it's the same thing, you know, like just before showtime and someone, everyone's freaking out and someone's like, Hey man, you having a good time? Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is a blast. And like, uh, you know, during coronavirus per- professionally, our business, we were concerned, um, what was, what was going on. And we had to work like 15 straight days to figure like to f- plan the next 120 days and figure this out. And we got on a call on a Saturday at like 10, 10 o'clock in the morning and the CEO who was our first episode and, and we, were having, we were having coffee together and he's like, this is, this is kind of sick, right? It's like our second Saturday in a row. I was like, yeah, it is kind of cool that we're just like figuring this thing out together and it's kind of crazy, you know? Um, but those moments, like you said, man, it's like, it makes everything really easy. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. Um, mm. so, so anyway, man, listen, I, I know that we are, we're coming up on the time that we've promised to release you back to your, to your family. <laughs> um, the bedtime, the bed, my bedtime's like nine, nine PM these days, guys, you know, it's like, <laughs> Tell me about it. man, we're, we're hampering your style a little bit on this. Um, like no matter good. what happens, like you could, you could be out, have a great night. They're, they're going to wake up and it's like, they, they smell uh, blood in the water if you had like maybe a couple that night and you're feeling pretty good and you're like this is great and, yeah. and you, they smell blood in the water the next morning oh it's so it's so funny to hear you say that i had a friend who doesn't have children yet like talking about like this app that like wakes them up and it's like now breathe deeply you know <laughs> and i was like you want to know how i wake up in the morning <laughs> my, my toddler right next to me goes daddy my light turned pink, you know, it's like, all right, I guess the day started, you know, it's like time to wake up. We're zero to 100, you know, over here. So it's, it's you, funny. You wake up to someone singing frozen on your bed. Just oh, down. totally. Sound of music is the big one at our house right now. I oh. get a lot of, lot of doe a deer right now. We've, uh, we, got, we got, we got that going on. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for you and, and sound of music. What a good one. Oh man, I mean, I, I we 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 we've loved it, and she like sings it to the top of her lungs. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's a classic. Uh, well, let's, listen, July third, Disney Plus, Hamilton. Nice, I, I've actually, nice. I did not know that. That's yeah. great. Original cast. It's going to be dope. yeah. Well, Disney Plus has been huge for us because we're 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 tapping into all the classics, you know, for for our Same little here. girls. Yeah, it's been awesome. So. Anyway. Well, um, before we wrap, we do always like to ask if you have any, um, like, where, what's your source for inspiration as a leader? So, you know, we, we've probably dropped some stuff. Dave's a big notebook guy. 
I love like finding a new book and my favorite book is uh, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor, uh, which I've read three or four times, uh, which says a lot for me, by the way. Um, so if you like, what, what is your source for, um, for like, leadership inspiration? Hmm. That's a, that's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hard to, gosh, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pull from one source and, um, you know, cause I, I feel like I, I learned so much. I mean, you know, Milt Louder, like I said, his podcasts, I really enjoy, um, you know, his, his podcasts are called the growth project. I really enjoy those. Um, John Gordon, I love his books. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, the, like Joe Ehrman's another one that's had tremendous impact on me, but um, you know, I, you know, truthfully, you know, if I were to say one, I mean, really I, the Jesus, I mean, that's, and I, I know that that might be a, a, a cliche, uh, you know, answer or whatever, but you know, the source of the source of a lot of my inspiration as a leader is Jesus. And um, you know, I think you, you know, and Jesus is one of the most, you know, he's a very, controversial figure in, in history. And, you know, people of, of all different faith backgrounds have something to say about him. But I think if you simply stop for a minute and think about him as a leader, um, you know, he was an amazing leader. Um, and, you know, we can all kind of think differently on, you know, um, who he was, you know, was he, you know, was he the son of God? Was he just a teacher? Was he a prophet? What, you know, and obviously, you know, all sorts of religions have had the debate over the, over centuries about that, you know, singular question. But I think if you stop and look at him as the person um, and has him as a leader, you really stop to see that what he was teaching was, was radical, but I think it's also, uh, it's wrapped up in a lot of what we've been talking about tonight. Um, And, uh, you know, in the, in the lessons he was imparting on, you know, 12 men, um, you know, his team, if you will, um, were really radical thoughts and, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, um, you know, leave your gift at the altar and go and, and reconcile, um, you know, love your enemy. Um, you know, these are, these are thoughts that I think, you know, if, if we were to, you know, stop and as individuals really process them, you know, from purely, what is he trying to teach here? Um, you know, and how can I apply that to my life? Um, I truly believe you'll be a better leader by taking the words that he spoke in the red letters and the four gospels. And if you try to apply those types of that, those types of lessons, um, into your own life for yourself first, but then, you know, as you start to think about it for others, um, you know, I think you'll find yourself leading people and, and having people, um, wanting, to, you know, learn from you. And, and so, um, you know, I, th- I think some of the most respected people that I, I learned from, um, their thoughts on leadership. Um, I, you know, when you kind of peel, peel back layer by layer, you kind of get to the core of, wow, like what they're teaching is straight from, you know, these, these words that Jesus said. Um, and so I'm a big believer that uh, if you can try to pull away the, you know, whatever lens you're coming from and just kind of look at Jesus as a person, look at Jesus as a leader and, and try to just see what he was saying. And and I think you'll see like, man, like these are, these are really great thoughts that I can um, tangibly apply into, you know, how I am a leader, you know, whether it's just with, like I said earlier, just with yourself, 
with your family, you know, with your team or with your organization, whatever it might be. Um, I, I think Jesus is the greatest leader that's ever lived. And I think if, if people can look at those words and, and think on them, um, they'll realize, man, these, this is, these are some great thoughts. And I think some of the greatest leaders of our time today, you know, they would, they would agree, um, you know, that those thoughts are, are very uh, radical, but they're also um, essential and foundational to their leadership style. So that would be my, that would be my thought. Um, you know, uh, and I know that anyway, that's my thought. Oh, we love it. We love it, man. Jer- you know, so Jerry Davis was an episode a few weeks ago. And, and when we asked for his, his book of inspiration, he said the Bible and, and he actually shared uh, his favorite verse, which was a really, really powerful. Uh, it was a, it was a powerful way to close his podcast. So, um, what you just shared, um, like my mind is like, we could do another hour because <laughs> uh, I, I think it's just so, it's so wonderful and, and maybe we will sometime. Uh, yeah. But, but for tonight, I just want to say, um, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your story. Uh, thanks. I've, I've learned a ton. Well, thank you guys. It's, this is really fun and, um, I'm excited to, uh, to stay up with the podcast. Thanks for doing this. This is, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's, I, I just, I love what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, so, you know, I, I'd love to be back again someday, but thanks for having me on. This is, this has been great. It's, plus it's just great to see your faces and catch Likewise. up a little bit and, um, you know, uh, all the best in, uh, in Houston and, um, hopefully we'll uh, see each other in person soon. It'd be a lot of fun. Definitely. Awesome. Well, that is Joe Cummings episode seven. Lucky to leave.